Welcome to the Powder Cake Podcast Pitch Edition. Today, you'll learn all about a scaling tech company that combines software as a service, hardware, and a 24-7 call center to create personal, high-empathy interactions in the parking industry. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and this is the Powder Cake Podcast, the show that plugs you into the massive opportunities in startups and innovation in tech hubs beyond Silicon Valley that are exploding with potential. In today's Powder Cake Pitch episode, we're hearing a live startup pitch between an entrepreneur and myself. It's really going to be more of a conversation. I like it that way. It keeps us both on our toes and should keep things interesting for you, the listener. I'm particularly excited today because you're going to be hearing from Brian Wolf, who is the president and CEO at Parker Technology based in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, prior to joining Parker Technology, Brian in 2006 co-founded Blue Lock, Indiana's fastest growing private company in 2010. And I actually happened to be at Blue Lock during that time. So uh, really cool backstory and history with Brian and myself. I got to experience some of the fun and the ride of Blue Lock, um, but I'm really excited with the growth that Brian is experiencing right now at Parker. Um, he has had tons of opportunities because he's been an angel investor in Gravity Ventures, XCAP Angels, and Momentum Ventures. Uh, Brian has consulted with several other organizations, including the Purdue Research Foundation uh, and the Foundry. On today's show, Brian is going to be talking about Parker Technology, and this company is just going gangbusters, and we'll talk even about some of the big shifts and pivots that uh, Brian's company has had to make given the craziness of the pandemic, as we're all experiencing here in the tech and entrepreneurship world. Uh, but let's dive right in. Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Matt. It is, uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. Thank you for, uh, for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk and catch up. Um, I know, obviously, the last uh, few months have been very interesting. And before we dive directly into that, I'd love to just zoom out and, and just get kind of like, what's the 30-second elevator pitch of what is Parker yeah. um, and, and what, it is, what is the big opportunity? Yeah. Yep. So uh, I'll digress just a second to share a stat with you. So We've taken more than 2 million calls in our call center in the last four years. And so, uh, and obviously we only take a subset of intercom help calls from parking garages in the United States. But if you use our data and then you extrapolate that to the universe, our data says that someone in a parking garage pushes a help button 85 million times a year. Okay. Now put that in context. You put your hand on your chest, your heartbeat will beat your heart will beat 43 million times so for every time you feel your heartbeat someone pushes the help button twice in the united states and so our company was built on the foundation of when someone pushes a help button we're going to be there to answer the call quickly resolve the issue quickly and get the garage moving um, without somebody having to be on the ground live face to face with the customer wow I, I remember when you first showed me the product and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised someone hasn't already tried to sassify and bring yeah. this into the 21st century. Um, and it sounds like just a massive opportunity. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you make money? Yeah. So, so the, the, 
well, the easiest way to explain it is for those of us old enough to remember when we had cell plans that gave us so many texts. And so inevitably, uh, probably eight years, nine years ago, I'd signed up my daughter for a text plan. I gave her 100 texts. And, you know, by the third day, she was at 200 texts. So we've sort of taken that same concept and the ability to choose the number of bucket of calls that you want to take. And then we'll charge you each month for that bucket of calls. And if you stay under that bucket, you pay, you pay the fee. If you go over it, then I'm going to charge you overages. But it gives us the ability to sort of right size the number of calls. And it gives us an ability to sort of put a limit on it because in the end, it's real people doing real work. You probably remember that phrase from the Blue Lock days where, you know, when it takes somebody to pick up the phone to actually help that, help that human out because they're stuck. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well. In, in terms of the customer, yep. tell me about who that is. Because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing, do you think about the end user as the customer or do you think about who's writing you checks, paying yes. for your software? Yep. So that was one of the biggest mind shifts that we had to go through even four years ago is the, the customer in the lane is not my customer. My customer is the owner or the operator of the garage. Yeah. And so that's actually one of the things that makes this company so unique. It's one of the pieces of secret sauce because we have software. We've got a platform that we've built that is both a knowledge engine and a workflow engine that put the right information or the right business rules at the fingertips of the CSR. So we can take calls from 300 different facilities and treat them 300 different ways because the software tells our CSRs what the rules are. And so that garage owner could say to us, hey, this is a hospital. Somebody just paid $50,000 to get their hip replaced. I don't care about the $3 to get them in and out. But in Central Business District, I could have an owner that says, I don't care if it's my mother. Nobody gets out for free. And so we can load those business rules into the software and the software then tells the CSR how much friction they have to put into the system to either get the payment or deliver a customer experience and let the customer out. That makes sense. So when you think about your customer, meaning the person paying the bills, yep. what does that look like in terms of scaling up the business? Do you, yeah. do you need, you know, 3000 of these parking yep. facilities as customers in order to really hit scale? Or is it a small industry with a few big players? Yeah, it's, it's a little of both actually. So there are big operators uh, that have thousands of facilities. And then there are thousands of facilities with uh, thousands of operators with hundreds of facilities. Okay. And so for us, the sweet spot is really the thousands of operators with hundreds of facilities, because one of the things you touched on, one of the reasons that it's hard to do what we do is it's expensive to build a 24 seven operation. And so if you think about the operators that would have to do that, they're going to spend three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, and they have to have the, that amount of business just to cover the cost of the call center. And so they don't do it. What they end up doing is they end up ringing your intercom help call to a cell phone or to a landline, and that's just a crappy experience. And it's an interruption to the person taking the call because none of those people have answering help calls, intercom help calls in their job description. Yeah. So congratulations, you got the job. Here's your cell phone. Now at 3 a.m. when somebody's stuck in the garage, you've got to answer the call. That's what it's not a good experience for that, for that uh, company culture, probably. It really is not. And, and unfortunately, 
you know, our biggest challenge right now is just getting the word out. It's just awareness mm. because when we sign people up, they stay forever. Our, our, our churn is less than 3%. Wow. And, uh, and they stay forever and they add lots of facilities once they get in, once they get a taste of what we do, they want more because nice. we just, we just do a great job, which we're just tuned to deliver a customer experience that they're not tuned to do. Well, and I, I want to get more into sales and marketing in just a second, but if you had to kind of put a TAM on our total addressable yeah. market on yep. this industry that you're attacking, what's the current number that you're looking at? Yeah. So the last stat I saw is that parking is a $131 billion business. Wow. It's probably one of the largest industries that nobody even spends a second thought thinking about until you have to go somewhere and you have to park. Yeah. And so, you know, our, I would say our slice of that pie, I remember doing this calculation four years ago when I wrote the business plan. I said, if we got every lane in, in the United States, we'd be a $250 million company. Wow. So there's, there's lots, lots of opportunity. Wow. That's incredible. When you say $250 million company, you mean $250 million valuation or $250 million revenue? Revenue. Revenue. Yeah. yeah. Now, ARR. I probably am not going to get 100% market share, but <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> hey, I, remember, I remember being on your sales team. So yeah. uh, I, I know you're gunning for 100%. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about, about sales and marketing. How does that happen? How What has yeah. been most successful in signing yeah. up new customers? Yeah, it's really a two-pronged approach for us. So we have three direct salespeople, I guess four if you include me, because you know I'm a sales dog. I'm, I'm selling all the time. And so those direct, those four direct guys are really focused on municipalities, universities, and then trying to sign up a private operator in through the sort of the land and expand kind of realm, right? So you get the one, get one garage and then they expand to five or 10. Yep. So you've got direct guys and then they also have responsibility for signing up a dealer network. And so mm. if, if those are, if you followed me on LinkedIn, you've seen, we've had a very steady flow of dealers recently signing up our new deal. We've sort of sweetened the deal, but the idea is there are dealerships in parks equipment, the same way that there are dealerships like car dealerships. They are very regionally focused. They are focused on one brand. And so our ability to go convince them to resell our services and our hardware to their existing customers is really a big part of the strategy. A average contract size, just ballpark figure? Yeah, average contract is about, it, it ranges between $600 and $1,500 a month. Okay. And, and that, is that all recurring or? Yes. Okay. But yeah. you do have so, a services arm of what you do too, right? You, you, you not only provide the software, but there yeah. is sort of a call center piece yep. of it. Is that correct? Yeah. And that's, that really is what put people are paying for most times. So uh, the last time I did the numbers, 93% of our recurring revenue is service-based. So it's okay. monthly recurring services. Then there's a, about 7% 7 of our customers. There are some that use our platform to deliver the service themselves in their own call center. But that will be a bigger piece of our story going forward. Our strategy has always been to sell the service because those are bigger numbers and it's, it's, it's as valuable as anything that we've delivered. 
But eventually, we think the platform will become the thing. And then there will be even bigger operators that will want to drive the platform into their operations because it does all the things that I talked about. It puts the business rules at their fingertips. We've got some, some cool tech that we're going to drive into it later that I think will make it even more efficient. Who are the other kind of like big players in this space in terms of yeah. either competitors or companies that are in the parking industry that might want to partner with or acquire yeah. Yeah. Uh, down the road? something like Parker. Yeah. So, so certainly in Indianapolis, you can't not mention T2 systems, which is, uh, they're a manufacturer. So they would be a partner of ours. Uh, there's a, there's really only one other platform out there. It's a company called Umojo out of Chicago. And, uh, and then the bigger players operators wise, they, people have may, may have seen Laz, they may have seen Reef, Recently, uh, you know, got a billion dollars from SoftBank to acquire a couple of different operators and, and instantly have 5,000 facilities at their fingertips. Um, and then there's probably the, the apps that people have heard of, probably Spot Hero, uh, ParkWiz, which is part of the Arrive Network, Park Hub out of Texas. Those are, those are sort of the burgeoning or the big players in the, in the app space or in the reservation space. Is that an area you can see Parker eventually getting into? Yeah, I think what we our, our go-to-market really is customer experience. And so yeah. what we want to do is we want to partner with those organizations because, again, as we'll talk about in just a second about the big pivot, you can make the technology as user-friendly for you as possible. And we already know from our statistics that 85% of the time we get a help call, it's because the human broke in front of the technology. You just can't make the technology work for everyone. They're going to break it in some way. Yeah. And so all of those companies need the, the last one and a half to 3% of the transactions. They need a real human to understand the context of why somebody failed and to help them through that transaction. So ultimately what, we, what we're going to do, we're about to launch our new platform, modern technology, uh, scalable, to begin to build bridges, API bridges to all of those stakeholders so that when we take a call, we can see the state of the transaction and then fix the transaction, not just fix the human as well. That's the big, that's the big push. Nice. Well, uh, you've, you've obviously piqued my interest here. Talk to me about the big pivot. Things have changed yeah. quite a bit here. Uh, we're talking in almost September now, 2020. Yeah. Um, since it's been almost six months since uh, it was declared a national yeah. global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, how have things changed for the business? Well, you know, the, uh, our business is remarkably stable, even though our customers' revenue literally went to zero in April. Wow. Like the restaurant, well, think about it. So nobody going to restaurants, nobody going to offices means nobody's parking. Yeah. But our, our service gave our customers the ability to keep their gates down, send their people home, shelter in place, and still help the customers that were trying to get in out of automated facilities. And so our business has been remarkably stable through COVID. Wow. And then frankly, one of our biggest hooks is that we deliver two-way video. We actually have patents on delivering two-way video in parking garages, and we've become a Zoom economy. And so we believe that the, the Zoom economy is just going to drive more adoption of two-way video. Even though we can take an audio-only call, our claim to fame has sort of been two-way video. So that's, yeah. that we, think that, that we think that bodes well for us. Yeah, do you see a world where there's just no parking attendant at all? 
Yeah, I, th that won't happen because you know parking garages. This is one of the this is one of the little nuances of parking. Parking garages can't take care of themselves, and they take enormous amounts of maintenance. You would not believe the amount of maintenance and the upkeep that it takes. But what we can do is we can give them the ability to focus on the physical aspects of the facility, probably with fewer people. Mm -hmm. They can run a leaner staff and then take the interruption and the, uh, the burden of delivering a customer experience for someone just stuck in a lane and, shove, and send that to us. Yeah. That's our pitch. The pitch is you can send people home. In fact, I just wrote a column. Let me digress just for a second. So yeah, please. Jack Welch was famous, right? Hacksaw Jack. Famous for every year, he would make his managers uh, stack rank their their people and then take off the ten the bottom ten percent. So a couple of months ago, I wrote an article in a parking magazine where I talked about. So by and large, most of these operators eliminated between twenty and thirty percent of their staff. And so wow. I said, okay, so well they laid them off, right? Because things, at least they, everybody expected this V recover. They said, okay, we're going to lay you off. And then we expected things to come back. Well, of course, we now know that things aren't coming back nearly as quickly. And so what I said is what you could do is, so rather than being the bad guy and hiring these people back and then laying them off again, why don't you bring back 10% fewer than you laid off and then send the help calls to us so that you wear the white, the white hat of bringing people back, but you don't bring everybody back because we can help you from a resourcing perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's, so, so far so good because I think yeah. I might've written that column about a month too early, maybe two months too early, because even in May and June, we were still hoping for some sort of big recovery. Right. And I have told anybody that will listen, at least in the era of COVID, that we're going to have to get used to the new normal and the new normal is less than the peak and yeah. it's going to be a slow slog back to the top. And so they're going to have to think about their resourcing differently. It's just going to have to be a different paradigm. Yep. What well, when you think about the future for Parker, what do you see the big opportunity? Where do you see this going to? Is this an IPO type of company? Is this a grow to $250 million ARR company? Yeah, I, I, so I would love to figure out how to do an IPO eventually. Yeah. Um, we did raise our first round of capital in November, as you know. And so we are two, on a growth two million, path. right? Yeah, it was $2 million. And it was really, I would call it Series Seed. So we're, we're still probably 12 to 18 months away from Series A. Yeah. And then, then we're on, the, we're on a, a big growth path that, uh, that will drive you know, my investors expect 5X in, in three to five years. And so that's, that's the path that we're on. Okay, cool. Well, tell me a little bit about the, the team that's behind this, because I know this is not your traditional founder story of, yeah. you know, I was parking and I found out there had to be a better way sort of thing. It, yeah. it, it seems like there is even more magic behind it. Yeah, the, uh, the, there was magic behind it. And so um, I came into the organization four years ago when this, when this business was largely an internal tool for a parking operator and they had just started to sort of offer it to other parking operators, because again, the, the two way video was a nice hook and people wanted to be able to deliver two way video, but they wanted to deliver it in their own facility or they wanted us to to, to take two, uh, 24 seven two way video calls. And so 
when I got here, it was really that the first two years were really just about proving the business model, proving that there was a value here and proving that we could build a business around it. So I think the first year that I came in, I think we made something like 31 changes to the organization where we just moved people around. We changed the different procedures and processes. I hired uh, Tammy Baker. I think, you know, Tammy, she's also a blue lock ilk. She's at, she is the magic of Parker in many ways um, because of uh, she, she's just pure execution all the time. And so I, re- I remember. Yeah. So, so Tammy is, is pure execution. And then uh, my sort of my partner in crime, Scott Gould, was here um, when I got to the business. And fortunately, I convinced him to go from ops. He's really an ops guy at heart. He ran 150 or he, he was the manager over 150 facilities here in Indianapolis for the operator that, that uh, is our parent company. And uh, I convinced him to come to the, to the dark side of sales. And, uh, and he and I tore it up for two years before, before we hired a couple of extra uh, industry veterans to, uh, to help us on the sales effort. Jim Light is in the West and then Brian Blackwell's in Nashville. He's handling the East for us. When it sounds like you're really kind of in scale mode right now, scaling up to that, the probably some metrics to raise that series A. Yeah. I see, um, for those that are just listening to the audio version of this, I, I see in Brian's background, I think what look like core values. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you got the, the culture in place and what makes the Parker culture different. Yeah. So, so we, we have, sort of coalesced around this big idea of authentic concern. And so if you think about, uh, you know, authentic concern is really that you say you care and you mean it, and then you demonstrate it. And so what we've tried to do is we try to drive that through the organization. Um, it's, it's as flat an organization as I can make it. Uh, I take out the trash every day. I make coffee. You know, it's important to me and it's important that, that my team and that the people that work for Parker know that, uh, that I care about them. How many people right now? Yeah, there are 35 of us today. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Cool. And, and, and so how do you drive that through the organization, that authentic concern? Yeah, the, the, I think the biggest key is to set the core values so that everybody knows what the operating system is. So we hire people through that lens. We treat people through that lens. And, and then the managers are empowered to make decisions around those core values. You know, one of the things that I realized... So I'm a first-time CEO, right? So I'm four and a half years into the job. And it's pretty easy to control a culture when there are four people or five people. And it gets harder when there are 30 people. And I'm sure it'll be even harder when we get to 75 or 100. And so what you have to do is you've got to set some bedrock around the operating principles of a company. And so we centered it on six core values, all wrapped up into the concept of authentic concern. I love that. Do you have a favorite core value right now? Well, I, I, my absolute favorite is you have to have a servant's heart to, to work for Parker. Why is so that? So if you think about that, well, if you think about that, they, the CSRs have to have a servant's heart when they go to work every day to, to help the people that are on the other end of the help call. But we also have to have a servant's heart for the owners to make sure that they know that we care about their facility and collecting their, their collecting payment for their every transaction we can. But then the, the servant's heart has to permeate the organization. We have to have people pulling the wagon together. We don't have clear lines of division between sales and marketing and operations. We all have to work on it together. Certainly we have responsibilities, but I want people to, to be responsible for 
doing the things that need to be done, regardless of whether they're crossing over an ops boundary or a sales boundary. I love the the Midwest humility woven into that core value. And I, I know you serve companies all over the world and garages all over the world. Um, but being headquartered here in Indianapolis in the sort of unvalley of America, yeah. what are some of the advantages that you've seen as a CEO and obviously serial entrepreneur as well as a co-founder of Blue Lock and investor in so many other companies as an angel? What's the advantage that you see uh, right now, particularly in pandemic time yeah. time period, yeah. of being in the unvalley? Yeah, I, I think, Matt, my hat is off to you in a lot of ways because you exemplify and Powder Keg exemplifies the things that we need to do to energize the Midwest into looking like and acting like the West, the, the East and the West Coast. And I know we've talked about this before. I've heard you use the term. We have to create our own density. Virtual, well, we have to do it virtually in the Midwest because the density just happens on the coasts. And that density drives innovation without a doubt. And so you've done a great job of building a network and being a part of building the excitement around collaboration and helping each other. That's what happens on the coast automatically. We have to build that into the culture in the Midwest. Frankly, one of the biggest challenges in the Midwest is that we're bootstrapped people. We think if we can't do it ourselves, we don't want anybody else to help us. And I think we have to change that mentality. We have to get out of the mentality first. We have to offer help. We have to be willing to offer to, to help somebody. But then when somebody calls, we got to pick up the phone and we got to make sure that we have a, a servant's heart. We got a mindset of helping people to drive the virtual density that we can't replicate from the coasts. And I yeah. think you're, you're a big part of that. I appreciate that, Brian. Well, and thanks for the early encouragement too. And, uh, in the early days of this community that eventually became Powder Keg, for sure. uh, that, that was some, uh, hey, can I get off work early to go organize this happy hour? Or, hey, can I take an extra lunch today because this person wants to meet for lunch too yeah. uh, kind of stuff. And, and that uh, I, I think having that, that groundwork and learning to network from folks like yourself and John Qualls um, was certainly uh, a leg up for me. Yeah. And I, I think that is one of the things that I've I've thought is so magical about the middle of the country is there's such a willingness to help and collaborate. And if it's not be a customer, it's at least understand what that product is so that I can know when it might be a good introduction for a potential yeah. customer intro yep. or investor intro. And uh, that's, that's been really cool to watch. And of course, you've been a big part of that, not just as a founder starting companies, which of course is the engine of economic growth in general, but especially in the tech industry, but also as, as an investor. Um, any, anything you're particularly excited about as an investor right now? Uh, are, are you still placing bets at all in, in other companies or are you 100% heads down? Yeah, I, I am. So I, I tell people all the time. So we just closed out Gravity 4 probably six months ago. Yeah. And uh, Phil Miller, uh, Bill Bonkowski, Trey Buck, they did a great job of bringing us some good opportunities. Um, and then at some point I run out of dry powder because I've got two kids in college. Right. And so I, I've got to go. I got to go make my own next dry powder to uh, to get the investments going. But, you know, you look at, oh, gosh, uh, what Megan Glover is doing with 120 water uh, is phenomenal. Uh, the Springbuck guys bringing it is really impressive. 
yeah. and obviously all the MarTech. So Tim Kopp and the Terminus work that's going on with Sigster, that, that's, uh, that's all exciting stuff. I mean, you can't, you can't talk about Indianapolis VC without talking about Allos and without talking about High Alpha, right? Those are, yeah. those are sort of the top dogs in Indianapolis. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Lots of uh, lots of great stuff. That's the stuff I can think about off the top of my head. I'm sure I'll get a call from somebody that says, "Hey, what about me?" So I'm sorry <laughs> I've forgotten you, uh, but uh, I'll pick you up in the comments section. I love it. I love it. Hey, Brian, thanks for sharing uh, the story of, of where you're at right now with Parker. I could probably talk to you for another three hours, but uh, I wanna I wanna make sure I give the uh, listeners an opportunity to reach out and ask their own questions connect yeah. with and learn more about Parker. Right, it sounds like you are growing your team right now. Uh, what, are, what kind of roles are you hiring or what might you be hiring for here in the future? Yeah, I think the, uh, the biggest need for us right now, and, and it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a timing thing, but I think eventually we're going to need a, a CTO mm. and, uh, and someone to lead the development effort. Yeah. Um, because Right now we're in heads down mode. Tammy is, is, is executing flawlessly on get the platform launched, but at some point we're going to have to turn our, our, our viewpoint to the outside world and we're going to need somebody that can help to lead the charge to make all those connections happen. So yeah. I would say product manager slash CTO slash uh, jack of all trades because we're still running lean and mean yeah. at this point. Big role. Big role. Big That's role. Yeah. And are you also hiring people in the call center? We hire call people in the call center every single day. So, awesome. um, you know, one of our claims to fame or one, one of the things that we work really hard at is it's back to the core values. It, it is creating a work environment where people want to come to work, where they feel valued. We talk a lot about uh, building a championship team and not a family. So if I could just digress, I, I you know, 30 seconds. So, yeah. Bill Belichick, one of the one of the biggest, he had four four principles. He did an interview uh, several years ago, and his the fourth one was you can't separate family from business, which was a little shocking from Belichick, right? You would think he's all business all the time. Separate your family, and I really embraced that because people have personal lives, and you can't separate your personal life from from your from your business life, and so. What I tried to do, or what I've tried to do, is I've tried to adopt this concept of a, building a championship team because, from my perspective, championship teams love each other like family. But when I talk about it being a championship team, sometimes championship teams make hard decisions. They cut star players because they don't fit the culture, or they, they cut people that aren't quite getting it done. And what I don't want is I don't want people to, to, accuse me of being hypocritical saying, Hey, a family would never do that. And I say, I agree. Cause sometimes you can't, you, you can't do things to family that you can do in a business setting. And so I want to talk about Parker as a team, as a championship team, because you have the same chemistry, you've got the same love for your brothers and sisters, but sometimes the business makes hard decisions. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be accused of, of not being a family if we're going to call ourselves a family. So championship teams make hard choices. I want people to know that the, the standard is high on a championship team. The chemistry, the love is real, but we have to make hard choices about driving the business. I like that, Brian. And, and clearly uh, Parker has already won some awards, won a culture award last year in Patterkeg. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you're uh, well poised to, 
take home some awards again this year. I hope that's and, true. Uh, I, I'm sure you'll win some championships here too uh, in the end with whatever that the final outcome is for, for uh, Parker. I'm super excited about it, man. And uh, appreciate th that. thanks again for sharing the story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, for the opportunity. It was good to, good to be on the podcast with you. Absolutely. Likewise. Well, and that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thanks to Brian Wolf of Parker Technology. For links to the social profiles for Brian and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes. We'll have them all linked up there for you to check them out. And just great uh, contact info to be able to reach out to Brian and connect, uh, whether you're looking to join the team, buy from Parker, or just support as part of this powder keg community. We're going to be doing a lot more pitch episodes and events uh, like this one. Of course, we've moved completely virtual. Make sure you check out all of those at powderkeg.com slash events. And to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs like Brian, investors also like Brian, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on the Powder Keg Podcast.